from Melbourne and Minneapolis. This is for Christ's sake. better in the morning. Clear, bright sunlight poured into his room, and he awoke feeling normal and almost happy. Of course, Suzanne's underwear and stockings were flung all over the floor, but if you could ignore that, you could, you could manage to believe that all of yesterday, from the bomb in the airplane to the naked girl with the gun, would be one a horrible mistake. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. My name is Hunter, and I'm joined as I am every week by my good, my good, my good, my good, good buddy. Uh, what's your name, Bo? Bo? Bro? Bo, that's me. Nope. Uh, Hugh. And um, what are you joined with today? I've got a blood red glass of port. Mm. I mean, the glass isn't blood red, but the contents is. And I have a bowl of hard pretzels. I got myself a blood orange soda screwdriver and mm. a bag of salt and vinegar potato chips. Potato chips. Potato chips. If you're interested as to why we selected these particular items uh, to accompany us on this journey through Scratch One, the second novel Michael Crichton never published, refer back to one of the earlier episodes because I'm not repeating it. Anyway, uh, where did we leave off? Uh, let's see. So Roger Carr is this dumb American guy who's in Nice and has found himself embroiled in this spy adventure um, where he's been mistaken for an assassin who's come to France to knock off some... Uh, French Algerian terrorist, and basically uh, he's bumbling around Nice. Uh, he almost gets killed by Brower, the German hitman who's been hired by the villains to um, take care of the I don't know the good guys, quote unquote. Uh, he goes to a strip club, and then this woman tries to pick him up, but he rejects her. Comes back to his hotel, and she's naked on the bed. She pulls out a gun at him, and then she mysteriously disappears. Yes. Well summarized. Thank you. You yeah, voiced a little bit of frustration with the uh, book last time, I think, right? Mm-hmm. What do you think? Does, does this chapter redeem the novel in any way, or do you think it, uh, or it continues on the path of darkness? Uh, I'm trying to remember if anything happens in this chapter. I think there was less homophobia, right? There, there is less homophobia. There's one section I did find incredibly unsavory, but we'll get there. Okay. <clears throat> Let's uh, get into it, shall we? Let's not waste any more time. Mm-hmm. So, Carr is woken up. He's he's uh, emerged from his slumber, his post, uh, you know, near death slumber. He goes down to get some breakfast, right? Yeah, and that's it. <laughs> well, then we cut. Then we cut. We we jump away from Carr to Lee Sal, and there's a completely useless chapter where uh, it's revealed that. Car's uh, hotel room has been bugged, and Brower and Lisa listened to the tapes of his conversations for the last time, right? 
Uh, I believe that the only uh, important information that we learn is that um, the girl, uh, Suzanne, has been working for the villains, right? Yeah, so the, the reason they're listening to these tapes is to try and work out if this American guy is actually the guy they're after. He's actually the American assassin they're, they're trying to assassinate. And they're still not sure, or at least LaSalle's still not sure. And uh, he instructs Brower to collect our friend Mr. Carr, but not kill him. Mm. And he has to stress that because he knows that Brower is a killing brute. And that's it. That's it? Is that the whole chapter? Nope. <laughs> or is there something else? Yeah. There's a couple more things. I can't believe you forgot on this right. already. There's a part that I thought was uh, pretty horrible, where we cut to Gorman. Ah, huh? uh, yes. I remember this now. And what's he doing? You know, he's listening to Suzanne be tortured. What? Yes. Uh, which I thought was pretty disgusting and pointless. And, you know, so shows the sort of... Um, you know, the entirety of this character has been introduced as a... Uh, you know, woman who is basically been described only in terms of her body, and now we're getting her t- being tortured. So it sort of continues the thread of like, or the trend of sexualized violence uh, that Crichton was so, um, or so cavalry depicted, or positively depicted even in the last book. So we get a little taste of that here, where. Gorman, who's a character we know almost nothing about, is just listening to this woman be tortured. And it's supposed to be a joke, pretty much. He registers his displeasure at having to witness the scene. Yes. But nonetheless does nothing to stop it, and presumably ordered it in the first place. Yep. And then we cut from there back to Carr, who is on the beach, doing what he does, um, staring at a woman. Yep. And then what happens next? Oh, yeah, then there's an action scene. Yeah, let's, let's hear it. What's the action scene about? I'm getting excited just here. I'm just going to do this off the top of my head. So some um, middle-aged, bureaucratic-looking mm. dude in so, a suit so before, before, wait, 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 whoa, 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 So he's on the beach. He leaves the beach and starts going to the main, like, shop way. Yes, he's gone to a shop. Some guy in a suit walks up to him. He looks harmless enough, mm-hmm. but uh, he pulls out a gun. Mm-hmm. What happens then? Uh, car drops his flowers, hits him on the wrist, uh, the gun flies up in the air or something. Well, well, just to be clear, just to be clear, Carr is just walking past the shop. This guy comes up to him and asks him, he has an unlit cigarette in his mouth, and he asks Carr for a light. And then he pulls a gun on him. Yes. And what happens next? And he uh, drops some flowers, he hits him on the arm, the gun flies in the air, uh, they fumble around for the gun, and then a car drives nearby and uh, sprays machine gun bullets everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, car hits the deck, Yep. but uh, the guy who pulled the gun on him is not so lucky. Mm, gets, he gets pulverized, he gets vaporated. And uh, then a policeman takes car away. Mm. Yep. Uh, surely there must be more to the chapter. I don't. I don't think that uh, our good friend Michael Crichton would give us so little to work with here this week, right? Nope. That's it. Oh, really? Yep. Because this week's chapter has been reasonably brisk, I think it would be instructive uh, for us to enter into a new segment called Sighton Crichton. Mm. 
And in that segment, uh, we will be uh, playing some audio clips of the man himself. Um, clips that will illuminate something about the text. So, in preparation for this podcast, but even before we uh, started Odds On... We do um, a colossal we, amount of research. Yeah, we both did a lot of research. Uh, we went through the archives of all the interviews he's conducted over the years, both in print, but more importantly, uh, on video and uh, on radio. Hmm. And we found uh, a couple of interviews where he speaks quite explicitly about his early forays into writing, and particularly the novels he wrote under the pseudonym John Lage. Mm. And uh, we found a number of clips that are relevant uh, to the text. So I believe this week we have a clip where he's talking about uh, plotting Scratch One and how he decided to set up the novel and what he was trying to achieve in the opening handful of chapters. So it's kind of relevant to the point of the novel that we've reached. Yeah, so... Uh, You've got the audio there? Yeah, I got it right here. Should I uh, press play or do you, would you like to, to set us up a little bit more? No, we can just press right. play. I think it speaks for itself. That plot twist got a shook Why did he write this book? We've researched for weeks And we've got the receipts We're silent, cradle, silent, cradle Silent, cradle, silent, cradle The ideas that haunt our world in recent years are invented by scientists. Well, that was that was the clip. Uh, some interesting stuff there. I think I, uh, I'm, I'm glad that he sort of uh, you know tried to make amends for how, how he treated his female characters. You know, it's good of him to do so. It, it definitely casts the book in, in a whole new light. Mm. I think it, it gives us some perspective that we can uh, take with us on our journey through the rest of the novel. Mm, mm. That's true. That's true. All right. Well, uh, I guess we'll see you next time for another hit episode of this greatest podcast. Bye. Carrie, bye.